Welcome to Digital Metropolis, a podcast about the future of cities and those building it. We talk to cutting-edge leaders in urban planning, technology, and policy in order to understand the evolving implications of the space we inhabit. Tune in to learn about how digitized property, urban technology, and artificial intelligence will transform the way you buy, work, move, and imagine. My name is Roman Shamakov, and you're listening to The Taiwan Report. Before we start this episode, we wanted to briefly acknowledge the amazing work John Tomey is doing at Urban Tech. Our team at Taipei has been following John's work closely since Urban Tech was founded, and it's one of the best resources on urban planning in the United States and Europe. Steven, thank you for joining us today. Would you introduce yourself for our audience? Hi, my name is Steven Liu. I am executive director in charge of business development at Turing Drive. And what has been your personal journey of coming to this position? Before founding Turing Drive with other partners, I worked for a local system integrator in the field of intelligent transport systems. And before that, I worked for the business event industry organizing meetings and conferences. But I was trained as a conference interpreter, and I studied finance back in the university. Fascinating. So, tell us a little bit about Turing. You've been making a lot of noise around Taiwan and globally. What is your focus? How have you changed over the past two years? Turing Drive was set to develop the autonomous driving system or software. That can be installed on various types of vehicle platforms. We've been doing that ever since our establishment in May 2018, and for the past two and a half years, we've been doing pilot project or POC projects across Taiwan. What was the birth story of Turing? I, I understand that you have some academic ties. There are some professional ties. Actually, it was a accident. It was kind of a mistake. It was not like someone started his business in a garage, or it was not like a spin-off of a research institute. It was not a student project. No, everything started with a government project. Back in in late 2017, back then there was a POC opportunity. Tendered by Taoyuan City Government, there was a agricultural expo in Taoyuan City in northern Taiwan, and there were several teams in Taiwan bidding for the project, and one team was formed by an association called ITS Taiwan. It stands for Intelligence Transportation Systems in Taiwan. This team consisted of several companies. Including a transportation consultancy, including a ITS system integrator, including a GIS geographical information system company, and a academic institute. I think it's National Taiwan University, and the team successfully bade the project. So they had to create a self-driving shuttle. Autonomous driving bus within four months. It was a great challenge because there was nothing for the team. They had to put up everything from scratch. 
So they started to find the right partners in Taiwan. They found a electric bus manufacturer. They found a vehicle engineer who would provide control by wire services. In the end, they finally put up a whole electric mini shuttle for confined area operation in the Agricultural Expo. So this mini shuttle ran in a circular line in an enclosed or confined area in the expo site. And within 40 days, this mini shuttle took over 4,000 passengers within 660 trips. It was a great success. It was something to be celebrated. So the team members decided to continue the results after the project. And that was the foundation of Turing Drive. So in a way, today's founding members were actually a task force back in 2017 and 2018. Got it. And what was the original team that made up Turing? There were a lot of team members in that project, but several major players decided to form the company and they continue to be major shareholders until now. One is a Taiwan-based electric bus manufacturer called Chuang Energy, Chuang Yi Nengyuan in Taoyuan City. Another is a transportation consultancy called Jiwei. They invested in during uh, by another vehicle. Anyways, the management uh, or the co-founders of this transportation consultancy became the chairman and CEO of today's Touring Drive. And that's Chen Weilong and Shen Dawei, David Shen. While the electric bus manufacturer Chuang Yi remains to be a very important partner and major shareholder. And other investors or co-founders of Turing Drive were individuals or were companies and the ITS field. Interesting. So Turing is, uh, stands at this interesting intersection of urban planning smart transportation and also software. How do you and your team currently understand the problems of our cities? We believe that there are at least two major issues faced by not just cities, but across human activities or economic activities. That is the lack of efficiency and the lack of safety or compromised safety constraint efficiency. And these issues are caused by human drivers. Most of the time, human drivers or the lack of them would constrain efficiency of companies. For example, there's a shortage of human drivers or the cost of hiring drivers is rising. And even if there are drivers, you have to manage them. And there is a management cost. And even when you are managing the drivers, they may make errors. There are blind spots and sometimes the environment is too dangerous for human drivers to operate vehicles. So efficiency and safety are the two major concerns of, of human activities. And we believe that autonomy or autonomous driving systems can be the solution, at least for many economic activities in confined areas. I totally agree with you. you know, as someone who got his driver's license at 16, no one should give a human being operating power of a multi-ton death machine. It's interesting that you emphasize confined area. This has been the ongoing experimentation of Turing. Why do you focus on confined areas? 
I would like to rephrase the term confined area. To put it more exactly, it should be a certain special environment. We would like to offer autonomous driving systems for certain special environments. There is a new term conjured up by the transportation industry. It's called operational design domain or ODD. These ODDs include pretty confined areas with access restrictions. Uh, only certain people or vehicles are allowed. Or it can be a geofence within a radius within a few blocks. Or it can be dedicated roads or straight streets in a urban area, for example, like bus lanes. So these are special environments. Other examples are golf courses, harbor area, campuses, industrial parks, all these enclosed spaces. And the reason why we are targeting these ODD special environments is because there is definitely strong demand for efficiency and safety from these areas. And there are a lot of vehicles that can be turned into autonomous ones. And very importantly, there is no legal restrictions or regulations on operation in all these domains. On the contrary, there are still technical and legal obstacles for us to operate any vehicle on open roads in the streets. And this is true across the globe. Even Tesla, even Waymo owned by Alphabet, Google's mother company, are not ready for open road operation. And as a startup in Taiwan, we do have to be very realistic because we, at the end of the day, we have to make profits. So it's better that we start from these special environments or the ODDs. So currently you have a special environment. It's in Xini and it's been provided to you by the government of Taiwan. Yes, actually, we've been testing and developing the systems in many kinds of special environments across Taiwan ever since the company was started. The first project was in an agriculture expo I was just talking about. Soon after that, we got a government sponsorship to run shuttle services in an amusement park in central Taiwan. Where we run three routes connecting the hotel, the outlet mall, the parking lot, the amusement park, and the racing track. A very special environment. So we did quite well in that amusement park. And then we were commissioned by Taoyuan city government to run a fixed route, fixed schedule service within the train depot of Taoyuan MRT. So it's a pretty confined area again. And at the same time, we were commissioned. Actually, we are still doing that. We were commissioned by a golf course in Taiwan to develop autonomous golf carts. And this is a very interesting project, and it would pave way for our future products. We are targeting low-speed vehicles like golf carts that can not only be deployed in golf courses, but can also be deployed in other confined areas like campuses and industrial parks. And starting from February this year, we've been testing in Taipei City, in downtown Taipei, along with Xinyi Road on the dedicated bus lane. The rest is history. The test is still going on and we've been learning a lot from the testing and the operation 
services to the passengers. In the meantime, we are preparing for open road testing. That's the first one in our history in a residential neighborhood, also in Taoyuan City. There is a very short circular line around Taoyuan International High School, and the open road testing is scheduled in January next year. It's going to be very exciting and challenging. What are your expectations? What are the, the exciting parts and the potential drawbacks? We are going to deal with the notorious mixed traffic flow in Taiwan with other automobiles and scooters. It's definitely a headache for us. I don't expect to really beat the traffic. We just hope that we can stop and go when it's safe. It's very simple. Fortunately, the road we are going to test is a single lane. It's a very simple scenario. In addition to road testing, we also hope to verify the V2X technology or the connected car technology in that area. We have been testing V2X technology in Xinyi Road, and we expect to improve that or to duplicate to increase the scope of testing in Taoyuan. More detail about V2X thing. When our autonomous driving bus is trying to go across road intersections, there are more risks entailed. The traffic conditions at road intersections can be very complicated, with vehicles or pedestrians violating traffic rules, especially from the lateral side, from your left hand or right hand side. Although there are sensors on board, although we can perceive threats around us, it's always better to identify potential threats earlier, and it's always better to see threats farther away from us. So what we do is to install roadside sensors at road intersections, like cameras, radar. These sensors can identify oncoming threats from the lateral side, and with a computing node or a roadside computer, we can quickly calculate if these threats are valid, and then send the warnings to the vehicle by 5G or by CV2X. All these communication strategy uh, protocols. So this is something we are going to experiment in Taoyuan and in Xinyi Road at the same time. You mentioned a lot of fascinating things, so I'd love to come back to all of them. My first question is: Why did Turing, a startup, go very much the opposite startup route? Of you went from public projects, and now you're transitioning to private golf courses, confined spaces, universities, rather than doing it vice versa, where you have much less regulatory hurdles to jump over, where it's there much less implications in terms of you know safety or legal challenges. You may be wondering why we took some government projects and are also trying to serve private clients. But for us, the roadmap has been very consistent. We want to focus on ODD or special environment services, and these special environments are not limited to public or private domains. It can be everywhere. It can be a ground in an expo site. It can be a depot, a bus depot, or train depot. It can be a bus lane. It can be a dedicated lane in a resort. So it really deep. What really matters is the environment, and we don't really care about who was the site owner or the operator. 
So it's purely by chance that we had some governmental projects, but we would like to serve both the public and private sectors as well. Can you expand a little bit more on first the technical challenges that you're encountering right now? Technically, there are a lot, a lot of things to do for us. But if you want me to pick up one, I would say the vehicle is the greatest challenge for us. We say we are developing the software. However, we also have to command the vehicles. We have to make sure that the vehicles listen to our commands. So what really happens is that our algorithms, software, are built on a onboard computer, and the computer is connected to the vehicle control unit, and then to the actuator. And then we will be able to control the vehicle's steering, throttle, and brake. Although we try to focus on the software part, we still have to deal with some hardware, hardware or vehicle issues because that's kind of vacuum where nobody is really good at, at least in Taiwan. Perhaps because there is no good foundation for、uh, car industry in Taiwan. I mean, a lot of people would agree that there is no real car maker or tier one OEM car maker in Taiwan. So we have to explore the vehicle part by ourselves. At least we have to make sure that from the computer to the vehicle controller, everything is smooth. And this entails a lot of work from getting the vehicle parameters, the multi-model dynamics, to the mechanical responses. And I have to say, it's really, really tough, and we do need a partner, or we do need some support from a real vehicle manufacturer. I'm not talking about the brand name car makers like Toyota or Ford, but I'm talking about special vehicle makers like golf cart maker, street sweeper makers, all these vehicle makers who can work with us. Are you currently focusing on these partnerships? And where are you looking? Yes, currently we are trying very hard to sort out vehicle manufacturers around the world. We are looking for the right vehicle platform that fit our product roadmap. We would like to just focus on two kinds of vehicles. One is a smaller, lighter vehicle platform that is suitable for low-speed operation. The other is a stronger one, a little bit bigger, that can probably be driven on open road one day, and we expect the latter vehicle can be registered with a license plate in Taiwan. So we call it Platform One for low speed confined area operation, and Platform Two, a potential registered vehicle. And we are talking to a handful of manufacturers around the world. Unfortunately, there are some startups who specialize in electric, controlled by wire ready vehicles that is perfect for us. And I, I just want to give you some more information about controlled by wire. This term it literally means the vehicle or the carrier can be controlled by computers. This technology actually happened very early on on commercial planes, on fighter jets, cargo ships, and it's finally coming to cars, to automobiles, to buses. And this is very cru crucial for us 
because we do have to send our commands to the vehicle mechanics. Why has it taken it so long to transition from planes and ships to cars? I don't know. Probably because of the cost. It's a very advanced technology, and my guess is that car owners or bus owners are not so bothered by these technologies. They are very happy with human drivers until now. Until now, do you think there's a certain I don't know how you would even call it a, a threshold point for adoption of autonomous vehicles? Do you think it has to happen in stages? Like we have to get used to buses driving by themselves until you can transition to street cleaners, to golf carts, to self-driving cars, or is there more involved in the adoption? I bet there is, but I'm not sure. It's probably not for me to foresee or to predict a threshold or something. Because we're in the midst, we're in the middle of this whole thing. So probably someone else from a higher viewpoint can tell us where is the threshold, where is the technical <laughs> requirement. Actually, developers like us are looking forward to Waymo's product roadmap. Rumor has it that Waymo is very advanced, and Waymo is nearly ready to have open road operation. And Waymo said itself that it would release all its、uh, achievements by 2025. So we guess Waymo would be ready by 2025, and by then everyone else would know. Where what is the threshold or what's the standard for open road testing? Yeah, it, it seems like the kind of thing that you can only really realize in retrospect. So it's fascinating that you're right in the midst of it. Yeah,、happening. I don't know. Well, there are a lot of technical barriers here and there, but if you zoom out, I bet there should be some absolute barriers for entry. Yeah. So, if the technical challenges entail hardware and manufacturing, what are your current business challenges? Do you have any? If not,、uh, are there challenges with financing, finding good team members? There are just too many, and you just name <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I don't know where to start. Technically, vehicle is an issue. We need the talent and funding to finish other parts of the solution.、Mm, okay, this this one is too difficult. Let me think about it. <laughs> Take your time. Okay, let let me let me put it this way. We are aware of the many technical challenges ahead, but I would say we need to get the funding. And this is very difficult, especially when we are doing so-called deep tech, especially when we are in Taiwan. I feel that most VCs, most potential investors, are looking for retail or online businesses, and they would not bother to care about deep tech development, or they just don't believe that a Taiwan-based startup can do something about autonomous driving. A lot of investor would say you should try to get a place in the automotive supply chain. You should try to serve the so-called tier one OEM companies. You should try to do just a little bit of autonomous driving, like a ADAS module, like blind spot detection, something like that. Or you just have to become a supplier of Toyota or Ford or GM. And some other potential investors think we should do sedans. We should do all the passenger cars. We should give up all the special environment applications because the market is so so small. 
it's not easy to raise money in Taiwan, to be honest. Do you think all of these VCs are missing the point of what you're trying to do? These days, I feel that a lot of VCs are right, but it's kind of lagging indicator. They are right because they see the results, because they have observed some trend or some achievement over the past three or five years. Of course, they are right, but if you want them to take some risk for the next three or five years, I'm not sure. I tend to feel that many VCs are actually risk averse. If there is no one else investing in this new business, I wouldn't follow. At least in Taiwan, autonomous driving is still very new stuff, especially when you are trying to do new solutions, new vehicles. This makes a lot of VCs hesitate. What do you think makes Taiwan such a fortuitous environment to develop autonomous driving? I think there are a lot of advantages in Taiwan. First of all, is still an ICT powerhouse. So you get all the suppliers, developers in one place. You can get your system architecture in the morning and try to find out all the prototypers in the afternoon and write some programs. Get the hardware in the evening. Another reason is that Taiwan has a very diversified geographical features, and people tend to follow traffic rules in Taiwan. So you can test your autonomous driving technologies in various types of scenarios: in urban area, in suburban area, in mountainous area, or in the rice field. And you get various types of terrains, weather's, or use cases. That's fascinating. Where do you, or where does Turing as a whole, look for inspiration? Are there companies that you have learned from? We do learn a lot from our peers around the world. We look up to Tesla, to Waymo, to Too Simple, to all these autonomous driving software developers. They are doing very well. But we also believe that autonomous driving is something that needs to be localized. That is something that has to be adopted to local conditions. So there's still a chance for us as a startup, someone from Taiwan, and we learn. A lot also from our clients or from our site owners. We didn't know that there were a lot of pain points until we try to operate our service there. For example, in a golf course, there are a lot of very tricky terrain or operational demands. It's not like just driving your golf cart to the green to the car lanes. No, it's not like that. You have to think about the players, the rule of the game, the golf course design, and the environmental features. So, what we have accumulated is actually knowledge about different sites, about different environments. So, we're inspired by expertise and challenges faced by many aspects of the industry or many industry players. Uh, you've spoken about the technical challenges, the business challenges. Do you have to overcome any regulatory hurdles that are still slowing down your operation? Fortunately, not in Taiwan. Not for now. In 2018, Taiwan passed a sandbox regulatory framework. It's called a man vehicle testing framework, something like that. Anyway, this sandbox allows us to do pilot projects in public spaces, normal roads, on bus lanes, 
all you have to do is to apply for a special permit from the regulator, which is the Ministry of Economic Affairs. And you can ask to be exempted from existing laws on the traffic, on the infrastructure, and so on. So I would say Taiwan government is rather advanced on the legal front. The sandbox has really benefited as developers. However, this sandbox is scheduled to phase out, come to an end within around five years, which means that in three or four years time, the government has to review all the existing laws and regulations and try to create the suitable legal framework for unmanned vehicles, including self-driving cars. And that will be a very interesting battle among the government, the researchers and the industry. Taiwan and uh, Tsai Ing-wen have made digitizing Taiwan a central point of their political careers, producing things like the autonomous traffic system, producing things like the Asian Silicon Valley Development Agency. Do you think they are taking all the right measures to bring Taiwan not just into the 21st century, but making it the leader of the 21st century in terms of technology development? Yes, I do. I think they have very good visions and good strategies and they have been very efficient in introducing new legal framework and in learning from best practices around the world. Just briefly, how would you describe the best practices around the world? Or what do you see as the best practices around the world? I know, I'm really putting you on the spot here with like comparative politics. Mm. This is a really tough one because... Uh, I, I don't think I'm in the position to comment on government policies because I, I haven't done too much research on that. But what I can say is that, for example, the government has learned quite a lot from autonomous driving testing facilities in the United States, in Singapore, and in other advanced countries. So today we are enjoying a pretty good one in Tainan next to the high-speed rail station. There are hundreds of topics of issues besides this. For example, how the government should structure the budget for technology development and deployment. And assume that autonomous driving buses or shuttles will be commercial or can be operational in three or five years. What's the pricing strategy? How should the government support or subsidize such service? It won't be 100% similar as today's bus operation subsidy. So there has to be a new business model for both the private and the public sectors. Mm -hmm. Our time is coming to a close pretty soon. So I want to ask you a few more questions. You are partners with Far East Town, is that correct? It's a, a telco in Taiwan. It's part of the 5G Automotive Association. What are your personal expectations of the impact of 5G rollout across Taiwan on autonomous driving? Yes, we've been partnering with Far East Town, especially for Qinyi Road project in Taipei. Currently, we've migrated our online services to FET's own special environment, which guarantees cybersecurity and efficiency for us. We will also work with them to test out the new CV2X thing, V2X technologies at road intersections as a part of a new infrastructure. So we'll install new roadside sensors, new roadside computers equipped with V2X communication technologies, 
with them. And I believe that telecoms will play a very important role in deploying all these V2X infrastructure. Autonomous driving companies like us shouldn't be doing that. We should focus on the system. We should do our best to ensure smooth operation and we'll leave infrastructure investment to the telecoms or to the government. And the telecoms have been very active with the 5G networks, with new resources, with new attention of the topic. In addition to that, I believe that 5G connectivity would also improve the spectrum of services on board. We'll be able to provide more personalized, real-time, diversified, interactive services on the vehicle and around it. For example, like infotainment systems, transit hailing or mobility on demand booking system, or the integration between the vehicle and other modes of transport. It's a part of the mobility of servicing or mass program. So all in all, I believe that 5G will add a lot of value for us. I hope the telecom are successful in rolling out 5G so Turing can, can roll out everywhere. Yes, actually, we are very neutral to telecoms and we welcome any kind of cooperation with telecoms. I feel that the telecoms know better than us in terms of environment-specific issues because they've been operating in all types of environment, in the mountains, on the seashores, in urban areas, and they know where autonomous driving may be uh, helpful. For example, there may be a very special task in the mountains, and that's the telecoms client, and they know that this operator, for, for example, Thai power company needs a confined area shuttle or a delivery service in a very narrow, restricted area. So in a way, we can help each other to win more business and to explore more services for the clients. Fascinating. Why the name Turing? We borrowed that from Dr. Alan Turing, obviously is the founder of today's AI, machine learning stuff, and we try to pay respect for Alan Turing's contribution to the industry and to the world. Do you believe autonomous vehicles will be a central part in testing the efficiency of AI? Yes, of course. I believe that AI is a integral part of autonomous driving, and autonomous driving is a really iconic way to live out the benefits or spirit of AI. What does your personal dream city look like? I am very excited to take part in a journey to make something better for the human society, to improve the efficiency and enhance safety of the traffic, of manufacturing, of many economic activities in this world. So your dream city has better traffic, better manufacturing, a little bit more efficient. And safe. And safer. If you were to start a, uh, a new company right now, what problem would you be focusing on? New startup, new right? Startup. Right now. It's, you it's did it without your team, not, nothing related to autonomous vehicles, or maybe it is. What problem would you like to solve? We're asking the tough questions here. <laughs> I think there are a lot of potential applications for AI out there, be it in, in the manufacturing, medical, transportation industries. But I believe that the whole point of AI is to make people's lives easier and happier. 
So I would like to do anything that can help us achieve that goal. So it can be a app that make us get rid of repetitive works that would help us sort out a lot of life issues. But I still like to do something about mobility because everybody is moving, not just people, but also cargo. We're not just not just people are moving. We also have to transport goods. So people and good transportation is always a very important part to the human society. So if I got another chance to start an AI company, it's still about mobility. Great, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw. 哎呦，就是那个台湾狗啦，最喜欢我的台湾狗了。